Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of uh, Cork Today with John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 and as you've probably been hearing the breaking news story coming from Malaysia is a body has been found in the search for the missing Irish uh, teenager little uh, Nora Corinne. The, uh, now, at this stage, it hasn't been confirmed that the body is Nora's. I was reading just before I came online uh, a quote from the police chief leading the search who confirmed that a body was found in the last hour or so. It's in the mountains. It's not in an accessible place. So obviously now what's happening is searchers are trying to get to the body and then obviously the forensic examination will get underway to identify the body and to establish the cause of death. You know, the Lucy Blackman Trust, and they are the charity that have been supporting Nora's family from the UK, and they're the ones that are handling all of the media inquiries. They say at this stage, they are confirming that a body was found, but they can't confirm it was Nora's. But they are saying that it is likely to be Nora's because there hasn't been anybody else go missing in that area. So they're assuming that the body uh, is that of Nora's. And our thoughts straight away going with the family. We were into day 10 of the search since she went missing from the holiday resort. She was staying with uh, with her family and it's just been such a dreadful time for the family and you couldn't help but see the pain on her mother Maeve's face as she spoke the few times that she did manage to address the media it was the media she was addressing it was more she was addressing the searchers and the the police and giving thanks to them for all that they were trying to do to bring Nora home I mean if anything I suppose it will bring some closure not the closure certainly that the family wanted but there had been certainly I had that nagging fear that was this going to be another um, case of a child going missing on holidays. Another Madeleine McCann case with families left with just so many questions. And could you imagine getting back on a plane without their child going home with them? I mean, it'll be tough enough if they'll be bringing poor Nora home with them in, in a coffin. But they'll be hopefully able to get some closure um, on it. But it's to try to find out now what exactly happened 
and to establish the cause of death. We'll keep a close eye on that story and if anything breaks throughout the morning because it's one of those stories that is just unfolding because it's only in the last hour that we found out a body has been found. So if, like me, you have been thinking of Nora's family since the story broke and offering prayers and hoping that everything would work out, keep those prayers going because God knows the family have got a rough, rough few days ahead of them. 1850 our lines are open text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 a lot of our focus on the programme today is going to be on the Leaving Cert results it's uh, almost I think it's 59,000 Leaving Cert students are collecting their results today some I take it will already have been at the school gates picking it up it was from 10 o'clock that they went live if people wanted to get them online didn't want to go to school themselves and obviously that suits people that are not anywhere near their school we know that some of the young people might be away on a holiday or could be overseas working for example so having them online is a great facility but I take it the majority still do it the old traditional way of you know rocking up to the school perhaps with mammy and daddy in tow into the principal's office for the final time really they'll do anything official in their school and pick up their results so we wish them all well today uh, there is the all of the papers are picking up on the ongoing the ongoing rise in the number of students who are taking papers at higher levels and as always the high achievers the top ones always get a mention particularly today on the day that the results come out and there are five students today who will have received eight H ones they're the old A's top marks in eight subjects it's followed by 56 who'll pick it up in seven subjects and one of the subjects with the take up of honours papers is noteworthy is maths 30, 33% of candidates sat higher level maths and that's double what it was in 2011 and there was a big push in recent years to try to get students to take higher level maths so obviously that particular push has uh, worked will be offering advice to students picking up their results, the good and the bad and the ugly, because while there will be the high achievers and there will be the ones that will have done really well and there'll be the ones who will know exactly how many points they need. And when they open up the results this morning, they will have received the exact number of points and they know that they'll be heading to college. But there'll be the students who will miss out. There'll be a couple of points short for the particular course. And uh, there's all the decisions now that need to be made. So we'll have our career guidance expert joining us on the programme today. So if you are a student or a parent of a student who gets results today that you're unsure about something or you're disappointed about something or you're trying to advise a young person about something, feel free to get your question in for Roisin Kelleher, our career guidance expert. And can we also today think of the families of two students who should have been picking up their leaving cert today, but sadly will not. One is the story that started to break yesterday of a young teenager from Lochray in County Galway. Beautiful, stunning looking girl by the name of Jessica Moore. She was 19 and she sadly passed away after falling ill at her Debs in Ballinasloe on Sunday. 
into Monday morning. Emergency services were alerted to the hotel where the Debs Ball was taking place at about 2am in the morning. The teenager was due to collect her results today. She was treated at the scene. She was transferred to Port Junkala Hospital but she was pronounced dead a short time later. So for her poor family today picking up her results and then of course we have it a little bit closer to home. A young Jack McGrath. He's the 18 year old from Dungarvan in County Waterford and he died in a single vehicle crash on the N25 near Middleton in the early hours of Saturday morning. I think he was going to collect his parents. His parents were at some kind of an event and he was being the designated driver so he was driving over to collect them and unfortunately uh, it was a single vehicle crash. He was rushed to Cork University Hospital but he passed away on Sunday morning. He was also due to collect his leaving search results today and thousands of the students who will pick up their results will be heading out to celebrate and for many of them, you know, it's only right and proper that they go out with their friends and uh, celebrate. But there is a warning coming out and parents in particular are being urged to speak to their children about how they plan to celebrate and to be mindful of their attitude to alcohol. Drink Aware, which works to prevent and reduce alcohol misuse, said the research showed that a third of people aged under 25 say they binge drink on a weekly basis. 64% admitted to using alcohol as a coping mechanism the organisation said exam results and then the transition to college can be a very stressful time for young people and they're advising parents to be open and to be honest with their children about the dangers of drink binge drinking. Now research also shows that 27% of people were introduced to alcohol by a parent or a close relative. Now we touched on this yesterday on this whole idea of letting children become familiar with alcohol from under 18, from like 15, 16 people were saying that they'd introduced sons and daughters to alcohol. It's not to say that it's done them any harm, but in some cases, unfortunately, it can. Parents are advised that their drinking habits can also influence their children and they should be leading by good example. Drink Aware said it's important that parents encourage their young children um, and advocate for sober curiosity. There's a new one on me. Sober curiosity or a more mindful attitude to alcohol. Drink aware, appealing to parents to discuss post-result plans with their children and provide them with knowledge and advice on how they can celebrate the achievement in a safe environment. And it ties in nicely and I see a number of the papers picking up on uh, the chat that we had ye- I had yesterday with Dr Colin Gleeson who is a GP based in Castletown Bear. So run in a rural GP practice, a practice that you wouldn't expect to see many people presenting with because of the impact of binge drinking. But Dr Gleeson yesterday telling us, unfortunately, no, that is the problem. And he says the real problem that he sees with binge drinking is people don't see it as a problem because they don't have cravings. So it doesn't come up on their radar as a real problem drinking. And then, you know, he spoke through all of the various problems, people ending up in accident and emergency because of accidents and uh, people having to be referred to hospital because of the result of binge drinking. And, you know, one story that he spoke about on that little video that he put together a number of years ago was a young lad coming in feeling unwell, tummy pains on a Monday morning. Dr. Gleeson starts to ask him what, what, what were you up to at the weekend? You know, the usual one a doctor would ask, I suppose, was it anything US kind of thing? And then the young fellow admitted the amount of alcohol he had just made it to the sink where he vomited it up 
half a pint of blood. That is scary, scary thing. So good to see a number of the papers picking up on uh, my chat with Dr. Gleeson uh, yesterday. So please try to talk to your young people as best you can about the dangers of binge drinking. 1850-333-103. We're also going to be discussing the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom. This came on our radar last week when we had calls in from listeners because the hotel has been sold and rumour went around very quickly around the town that the hotel was going to be turned into a direct provision centre. Now, we couldn't get clarification of that on the programme on Friday, but then more evidence came to light over the weekend. And it now seems there are some asylum seekers, I think, in the hotel. So we're going to get further clarification on this particular issue. And also, we'll talk with a group who work with asylum seekers to find out how local people are receiving the asylum seekers that are coming into the town of McCroom. And also, I think people want to know how long will they be staying there. Now, the Cork Volunteer Centre. We're going to focus them a focus on them on the programme today and find out a little bit more about them. And this is in advance of an awards ceremony that they're ha- having where they're going to be recognising volunteers. Volunteers do the most amazing work all over the country for all types of different uh, charities and many of those charities simply wouldn't exist without the great work of volunteers. So I like any kind of an award scheme that will acknowledge and recognise people who give freely give up of their time. So we'll have details of that on the programme today. And it is Tuesday. So Joe Heffernan uh, will jo- join us and we are wrapping up our chat about depression. If you suffer from depression or you live with somebody who suffers from depression, tips and advice on what to do if you feel that bout of depression is uh, coming on. As always, your calls are welcome uh, throughout the morning. And we'll play Celebrity Seas. Simon, Celebrity Seas, we're at €2,500. I could be writing a cheque with your name on it for €2,500 today on the programme if you can identify who our celebrity C's are. C. C and C. And we'll be doing that about 20 past 11 today. Can I say hi to a huge number of visitors who are in the Mill Street area this week because the Mill Street Horse Show is taking place all week and the place seemingly is absolutely buzzing in uh, Mill Street. So we hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. Now, here's a rather distressing email to Patricia at c103.ie from a listener who says, please uh, don't read out my name, which is fine. But it says, hi, Patricia. Uh, I really am so upset. I've just been told by the vet that one of my cats has a pellet lodged in her spine. We took our two cats to the vet, believing that they had both been struck by a car. One was missing overnight and the poor pet managed to drag herself home despite her two back legs being totally paralysed. The other one was also dragging her rear, but not as bad. Following x-rays today, we've been told that they were shot with a pellet gun and the pellet is lodged in the spine of one of them. By the way, it's in an inoperable place. The other will hopefully survive. So upset about our two beautiful pets and so appalled at the scum that live in our community. What kind of a low life could actually do this? We live, by the way, in the countryside in the Castle Magna Canturk area. So please read this out to warn all pet owners. It is just terrible. Our beloved pets in agony huge vet bills and fearing every minute that our other two cats, when they're not visible, that the same thing might happen to them. And that's signed a heart 
broken pet owner who says by the way if anyone has any information that might help us find who did this horrendous deed to these poor innocent animals please contact the local Gardaí in Canturk or any of the animal welfare societies. Goodness me I don't know how is that a very unusual case that somebody would be using I mean the fact that it's a pellet gun somebody using the cats almost like target practice why would somebody be shooting I mean I know people don't like cats but you can shoo a cat away and it'll take off at an alarming rate if it doesn't know you but would you go to that length if it was that's in the countryside as well and who goes I mean who goes around with a pellet gun and it's just the mind boggles and as as an animal lover I, I can sense absolutely your distress I remember having a cat who arrived in a dreadful condition and it turned out it had been somehow ingested poison and I remember just being beside myself with grief and it's only as pet lovers when you lose an animal and to see them in pain is dreadful it's really really uh, dreadful so my heart uh, my heart goes out uh, to you so if anybody knows why somebody in the Castle Magnor Canturk area would be going around with a pellet gun shooting cats and these are not feral cats they were feral cats you shouldn't be going around with a pellet gun trying to trying to just almost use them as target practice but these are much loved pets 1850 our lines are open text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Coming up we find out more about the future for the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom Since last week we've been receiving calls from people in the McCroom area over the future of the recently closed Riverside Park Hotel with rumours locally that it was to be converted into a direct provision centre for asylum seekers Joining me with the very latest on this story is local Fine Gael councillor Eileen Lynch Good morning to you Eileen Good morning Patricia And, and thank you for, for taking our call on this Now we contacted the Reception and Integration Agency who confirmed to us that no new direct provision accommodation centre had opened in McCroom. Can you explain to me what is now happening with the Riverside Park Hotel? Well, what's essentially happening with the Riverside Park Hotel is that it's going to provide emergency accommodation for asylum seekers. So the way in which this came around was back in January of this year, um, RIA, the um, Reception and Integration Agency of the Department of Justice put out a call for tenders um, for places to provide accommodation, full-time accommodation receptions for asylum seekers and also to businesses. They put out a tender for expressions of interest to provide um, emergency accommodation for a period of 12 to 26 weeks. So personnel or management or whoever is in charge of the Riverside Hotel, I'm not aware of that, um, would have applied through this expression of interest tender process um, that they were able to provide emergency accommodation for asylum seekers. So the information that I have from the department is that this accommodation, they have leased the hotel for, they've leased the hotel rooms for a period of three months. Um, now that may be extended, but as per the expression of interest which was issued by the department, it was for periods of 12 to 26 weeks. And it's, so they've leased the hotel for three months and they provide bed and full board, is it? Yeah, bed and full board. But the other thing as well, I think that should be noted from the expression of interest, the full board, etc., is provided by the hotel. Um, okay. So it's, in McCroom seems to be an exception in that it they have all of the rooms booked, whereas in other um, hotels which are providing accommoda- emergency accommodation or hostels, they don't necessarily have the entire thing. So they could be staying there with, you know, yeah. other residents, yeah. etc. So. 
So, yeah, so if you or I in the morning need a, a room, we can't book a room. Not in the Riverside, but it would be in other hotels. Yeah. But again, that, it depends on the application which was made by the hotel. But it isn't a direct provision accommodation centre? No, absolutely not. Um, it's not. It's an emergency accommodation centre and there has been no applications made or there are no plans for it to be a direct provision centre. This is short-term accommodation for asylum seekers. And has anybody moved in yet? Um, there was between 30 and 40 moved in um, Thursday of last week. Um, in terms of the breakdown, I've been advised by the department that it's mainly families. However, for confidential and protection reasons, they're not going to give, they can't provide the breakdown of ages or gender um, or where they're from because these are people that are fleeing to seek asylum. Mm-hmm. They're probably a pry for refugee status at some point um, because they're fleeing their own countries for various reasons in terms of persecution that they're facing there. Okay, and just to try to clarify a few things that we certainly were getting calls in and I think some misinformation that was going out on social media certainly over the weekend. Firstly, the council's role in this hotel being used as an emergency accommodation centre? Um, This didn't go through the council. Um, As you may be aware, the council doesn't sit in August so our last meeting would have been the last Friday of July. Um, it's not something in which the council would have a role. I think a lot of people felt that we should have known. And to be honest, I heard about this 10 days ago. So that was only four or five days before they were actually moved in. And that wasn't in an official way insofar as there were no official communications sent to councillors that I'm aware of. I certainly didn't receive any. Obviously, that's extremely frustrating for us to not know that this was going to happen right on our doorstep. But as against that, as I said, you know, this came about from a tender for expressions of interest, which came from the department. A local business put their name forward for this um, tender. And that aside, I don't think it's for politicians to have a say or interfere in what a local business does. More consultation is what should have happened, or any consultation, to be brutally honest. Um, but when it was the business applied for this it's 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 not our role to tell a business owner or a business what management to do or what not they can do. or can't yeah, do. Absolutely, absolutely. And then I saw so many people post on Facebook that homeless families, Irish homeless families, to differentiate from an asylum seeker looking for a bed for the night, were turfed out to make way for the asylum seekers. True or not true? Not true. Um, absolutely. That's another thing that has been going around on social media and it just shows, you know, the negative effects of social media. But in terms of the Irish homeless question, um, I put a query into the Department of Housing because, again, I was aware that previously it had been used to provide emergency housing for um, the Irish homeless. Um, but the response that I got from the department was that it hasn't been re- used recently. And the most recent to be there would have been a family um, of two members and they were relocated to other housing in McCroom. Okay, and the other one then that needs clarification, Eileen, was this hotel ever used to house asylum seekers or refugees before? No. Um, there was an application back in, I think it was 2000 or 2001, um, at which point it would have been sold, and I may be incorrect on this, but I think it was sold by the owner and bought by the department in order to make it into a direct provision centre, uh, there was a legal challenge posed to that. And for that reason, it was never used as a direct provision centre. So I'm 
certain and 100% sure that it was never used. Um, and I know there was a legal challenge, but as to whether it was actually purchased by the department at that time, I don't know. Um, but if it was, it, it was sold again anyway in 2010, okay. 2009, that kind and, of way. And the reaction locally, uh, Eileen, what, what are you hearing locally? To be honest, it's very mixed. Um, I think, understandably, people were very annoyed with the lack of consultation. And, you know, regardless of what you're dealing with, if you're just going to put in something new or some new measure that nobody knows anti about, it it means that rumours are rife. And, you know, people are going to put out false information. People are going to think they they have it all and and they don't. So for that reason, people were very annoyed about the lack of consultation. Um, I think think that people are also annoyed by the lack of political engagement but as I said this isn't something that would have gone through the council um, but I'm glad to take this opportunity to get it out there the facts as I have them and look the, this is what I've received from the Department of Justice this is the only information that I have but now that the actual facts of the matter seem to be getting out there I think most people are kind of accepting of it they realise that this is emergency accommodation they realise that these people are in dire straits you know they, they didn't choose to come to McCroom uh, they fled their own countries and, you know, Macroom people generally are, you know, we're, we're tolerant, we're decent, we're very understanding and I think Macroom people will support this. Yeah, well, I've just seen some calls in Eileen and McCroom said, I've seen some of the new people in McCroom, the people who've been housed in, in the hotel. I've seen them around town and we must welcome them. To see families obviously adjusting to new surroundings and to see their faces uh, and the pain on their faces is tough. I think we need to support these uh, people. And someone else wants to know who owns the hotel in McCroom, where the asylum seekers are staying and why was it all kept to such a secret? I hope they will be treated well and with kindness. I think, and I think you have touched on that, it's the fact that people felt it was kept a secret. Yeah. I think Um, when people have misinformation, that's when rumours start. Absolutely. And look, as I said, there was limited to no information available about this. Um, But the thing is, because it's emergency accommodation, like the hotel staff that are there are the ones currently... Um, providing the meals to these people they're staying in the hotel the same way you or I could book into a hotel tonight they have the same rights, they have the same access to facilities and that's what's going on there in terms of the ownership of the hotel currently, again there's rumours rife around McCroom as to what the status is of the ownership and I don't know that, again it's a private business matter for the owners or potential purchasers or whatever the current situation of it is all I know is that the department have not bought the hotel the Department of Justice have leased rooms there for a period of three months. Um, but in terms of the ownership, I don't know who currently owns it or if it is up for sale or that because as I said, that, that's a business matter. For, okay. And for Mar- Mark in McCroom, his fear is, could the hotel eventually be turned into a direct provision centre? He said, after all, only last week the department said they had a tender out for a direct provision centre for the South West. What if the new owners win the tender, then it would become a direct provision centre. Unfortunately, I can't say for definite on that. I mean, again, I have spoke to Minister Stanton about this and I have spoken to personnel in the department, again, just saying, is is this a possibility? And he has assured me that it isn't because, I may have mentioned it earlier, but in terms of that tender that went out for expressions of interest, simultaneously a tender went out to provide permanent accommodation, i.e. these direct provision centres. And there are no plans for this to be a direct provision centre. And that tender process is actually over. So unless that application was made prior to, I think it was the end of June, 
um, I would be quite confident that that I'm not going to say it's impossible because I don't know that. Okay. But I am saying that Minister Santon has told me that it won't be and that's the best information I have right now. Okay, and uh, I can see John Paul is taking a lot of calls, the majority of which are from local people saying it was the idea that they were kept in the dark over what was happening. Nobody has any ill feelings, somebody says, uh, towards these asylum seekers, but we need to know what's going on in our own town. Uh, it's even worse then to hear one of our local representatives saying they didn't even know what was going on. All right. Okay. Uh, listen, Eileen, no doubt it's an issue. We may come back to you again. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. I want to go to Sheila Nidul, who is on the other line, because Sheila is a member of the McCroom Friends of Asylum Seekers. Um, good morning to you, Sheila. Good morning, Patricia. And Sheila, I've spoken with you before for the work that you've done with the asylum seekers in Drishan Castle in Mill Street. So you're very aware of how direct provision works. You're very aware what life is like for people when they come to this country under the asylum system. So have you spoken with any of the asylum seekers who moved in to McCroom last Thursday? We haven't spoken directly to them yet. Um, obviously, you don't want to be bombarding people, you know, when they're just getting settled. But uh, we have spoken to someone in management in the centre and left our contact details and said if anybody needs anything to contact us, then we'll do what we can. But we're planning to organise a coffee morning uh, somewhere in McCroom Town Centre because I think the best way maybe to counteract the negativity is for people just to meet and chat and realise that we're all humans and um, to welcome people to the community, I think, would be a really positive step. Well, it's funny because we are getting some calls in from people who've seen them, seen some of the, obviously the new faces are standing out around town and, uh, you know, people are saying uh, you can see them trying to settle in and try to get their bearings and, and, uh, and, and all of that. What reaction, uh, Sheila, are you getting to the news? Um, well, we, we set up the group in response to some unfortunate and negative sort of commentary online. But since we set up the page, we've had so many responses, offers of help. People have been messaging saying, oh, I have some toys. Do you think anybody might want them? And um, can I help with back to school and that kind of stuff? So I think it's been hugely positive. And I think most people in town understand that these are people who are coming from a terrible situation who just want to live their lives, you know. And do you and do you believe it will just be used as an emergency temporary accommodation? Where will they move on to? Well, the real issue, I suppose, with direct vision is, as a system, it's not really functioning. Um, it was designed to house people for three to six months while their asylum applications were processed. And we know but that that doesn't happen. No, people are in there for years. And then another issue is that when people are awarded asylum, for example, because of the housing crisis, they have nowhere to go, you know. They don't have references from landlords, you know. There's no rental accommodation available so people are stuck, even when they do get their papers, they're stuck in the sense that they have nowhere to move on to, and it's created this huge backlog in the system. Um, so basically we have this emergency accommodation because the direct provision centres are full and there's an overspill now into emergency accommodation. So the whole system is, is non-functional, you know. Um, and uh, the I was told that it's going to be used as temporary accommodation for three months but I mean they said stuff like that direct vision back when it started so yeah because it's it's an initial three months lease yeah that so lease can be extended, extended. unless and then what and then what we're talking about people we're talking about people then caught totally in limbo because they're caught in emergency 
direct yes. provision. Yeah, and it can cause issues around stuff like access to, um, say, getting their ID cards, which helps them get maybe a PPS number, medical card, access to their weekly payment. You know, um, when they're in emergency accommodation, they don't have the same, maybe, access to um, information that they would in a direct provision centre. Uh, so that can be an issue as well. Um, and it's just, it's like piling, you know, bad after bad after bad sort of thing. Um, what they need to be focusing on, I think, is processing people's applications as quickly as possible. Yeah, and deciding and whether they are they are genuine asylum seekers, and if they are, grant them asylum, and if not, you know, send them home. Anne said, will the residents in the hotel be fed from the hotel? I saw a few of them in the shops over the weekend, and I felt sorry for them. They looked like they were trying to buy their own food. Uh, well, when I asked Eileen, they're getting full board and lodging in the hotel. Somebody else wants to know whether they have a choice of menus. I don't quite think it's like living in a hotel, is it, Sheila, while the the setting is a hotel? Yeah, the the, the setting is a hotel and apparently it's being run like a hotel. You know. Oh, OK. Um, I was in there yesterday and it looks exactly the same as it always has. But I suppose, um, I mean, how much can, can the hotel cater to special dietary requirements like halal food or, you know, things like that. So I'm not too sure how that works. And full board food but you need stuff like nappies formula you know um, that's not provided people in direct vision have to provide their own sanitary wear for example for women that's always been an issue hasn't it because they don't get a lot of money every week and when you're on 38 euros a week you know stuff like that like it really adds up so um, yeah it's it's, there are so many difficulties with the system I don't even know where to start but, um, yeah, Mary wants to know, will asylum seekers get a say in what they would like to eat, unlike centres like Mill Street, where they get the same food dished up day after day? Do they? You've, you've, been in, you've worked quite closely and spent time with the asylum seekers in Mill Street. Do they have a say in, in, their, in their food? Um, the centre in Mill Street is a little different because they are actually allowed to cook. Oh, um, that wasn't, was that that wasn't always the case? No, that came in after a protest few years ago um, but they the food comes into the centre and there's a, a point system where each family gets a certain amount of points and they pick out you know maybe a loaf of bread is two points and a bag of apples is two points and that kind of thing but there isn't a huge amount of choice and it can be very difficult if you do have special dietary requirements um, and a lot of people choose to go into Cork when they can and purchase food from the uh, from ethnic shops you know um, but it um, it can be very difficult because there is very much a lack of choice. And I imagine, I mean, in the hotel, can't see that they'll be providing a, a huge, varied diet for everybody. You know, every week. But you never know. I mean, God, it's it's no life, is it? No, it really, really is no life. And. I think the least that we can do in McCroom as a town is to try and be as welcoming as possible. Um, and if we have a coffee morning, we can all get to know each other and maybe let the families know about, I don't know, uh, things that are happening around town, you know, if they want to join any activities, if the kids want to do any sports and that kind of thing. It's it's the same for anyone when you move to a new town. You want to make connections, you know. So uh, I think as a town, maybe that's the best thing that we can do is just make connections with people and try and help them settle in. 
Tom in Bantry said he was speaking to an asylum seeker recently who said he was taken aback at what is provided in Ireland. Basically, you enter the country with no documentation and they give you asylum. Within this, you get benefits. And when people hear this, it's good times in the Western world. God, Tom, I wish it was uh, as easy as that to to get uh, asylum. You know, as someone who's been been in and out of, you know, talking to a lot of people living in the system, it's not something I would wish on anyone. What's the longest you've seen somebody wait? Uh, Nine years. There's a, a young man I was speaking to in Mill Street who had been living. He had been living in Mill Street for seven years and two years before that in a different direct vision centre. Okay, how can somebody's process take nine years? I have no idea. I really, I really don't. Um, and it, it, I think it uh, there comes a certain point where people just sort of give up, you know. Um. And do, I, I mean, I, I don't know how close you get to some of the asylum seekers about their, do they share their stories with you? Do you get to hear their stories? Do you ask them? Well, yeah, they're, they're friends, you know, so I talk to them the same way I would any of my other friends. Obviously, you don't want to pry if there's difficult things that people don't want to talk about. But, you know, we have chats and we talk about things. And um, I, most people will really try to make the best of what they have. But at the same time, when you see the day-to-day life, um, I, I don't know how people can continue to be so hopeful in that situation. But they do, you know. Um, yeah, but I think that's, that's back to what they came from, isn't it? Well, yeah, but the, a lot of the asylum seekers I know now who um, were given the right to work recently mm. have thrown themselves into that. I know people work in three jobs and, you know, um, and some of the, some of these um, asylum seekers are highly trained, professional people. Oh yeah, yeah. I've met doctors, scientists. So I was speaking to a a lawyer recently from South America, um, whose wife was a an early years education teacher. Um, but they are stuck in sitting around all day in in Rishan, not able to work. So, and do you come across many economic? Asylum seekers, people who are just here for a better life. Um, well, if you're coming here for a better life and you're going into the direct vision centre and you consider that a better life, then you can't have had much of a life to begin with, you know. Um, I, I, The term economic migrant, sometimes it bothers me because I feel like everybody has the right to want something better for their children. Mm. And if better is what we give them here in Ireland, then they must be coming from something fairly appalling. That would be my opinion. You know, if you're coming from a semi-decent life and you decide to come over and enter the direct vision centre, uh, you'd probably turn around and hightail home as soon as you went through a month or two of that. That's just my and, opinion. And how many left Ireland for, as economic migrants, they left because they wanted something better for themselves and for their children? Exactly. I mean, it's so yeah. ironic, isn't it? The way people talk about these things and then you think about like the after effects of the potato famine and how, you know, the huge amount of migration that happened from Ireland and the way that Irish people have created this diaspora and made our homes all over the world um, and then, you know, the same Irish people are turning around and giving out about people coming to Ireland. It just seems 
There's, there's an irony yeah. right there. There's yeah. an irony in there somewhere for sure. Martin in Ballyvillan says, is it not wrong keeping people in hotels and in business, in buildings, i.e. the direct provision centres, uh, while the owners can make huge profits out of it? I feel this is a scandal for the future of Ireland. It'll be a bit like the mother and baby home scandals of now. Exactly. And that is a future generation. And we'll all sit and say we didn't know what was going on when really deep down uh, we all did. Yeah. Uh, OK, so you're hoping to have, as you say, some kind of a coffee morning where you will, the townspeople will invite you to come along and meet the asylum yeah. seekers who are if there at the moment. asylum seekers choose to come along as well and um, we'll put up, we'll send invitations into the centre and we'll put, um, uh, we'll put an event up on our Facebook page, McCroom Friends of Asylum Seekers. And... Uh, We'd love to see everybody there. And in the meantime, you are taking offers of help through that page, are you? If, if people we want? are, yep. Yeah. If people, they can direct message us and as we hear of anything that's needed, we'll post up on the page as well. Okay. All right, uh, Sheila, we'll keep in contact with you. Thank you for that. Lovely. Thanks, and, uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, uh, Sheila Nidul of the uh, Social Democrats joining us from um, McCroom. 1850 Kind of a mixed reaction. We have people feeling sorry for the asylum seekers and saying... You know, they need, they're here, they, let's welcome them, let's look after them. Uh, but others are worried that while we're hearing it is an emergency, emergency temporary accommodation, but my fear straight away with emergency temporary accommodation, I mean, even Sheila uh, summed it up herself when she talks about the direct provision centres that are there, they are full to bursting point. People who've been granted asylum in this country and are allowed to stay and work full time, they're caught having to remain in the direct provision centre because they simply can't find accommodation. God knows we know the housing crisis that we have in this country. So if there are, even if they up the processing of the asylum seekers and they get through the processing work faster, we're still going to have this, what seems to be a complete log jam in that people have been granted asylum they can't move out to the direct provision centre and therefore the people that are in the emergency uh, temporary accommodation who need to move up into the direct provision centre until their status gets sorted out, they're going to get stuck. So, that, so my fear would be that the Riverside Hotel in McCroom will remain an emergency temporary accommodation for God knows how long. And I think that's been reflected back in some of the calls that we're getting in from listeners this morning as well. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I can see some calls and texts coming in for any update on the water treatment plant in uh, Fremont. And we've been getting quite a few calls on that. So we have got, this is the latest. Uh, works continue at the water treatment plant that was damaged. We mentioned this yesterday, it was damaged by a fire at uh, Fremont. Uh, they will, it's affecting supply to Fremont, Escarol, Milford, Jemina and surrounding areas. Uh, crews are working to restore supply as soon as possible. That's literally the update. So they're still working on it, but we have no, they haven't given us a timeline. Normally they do. We normally would get some kind of a timeline, but we haven't had one as of yet. But just to let you know, the crews are working. It's an unusual case in that a fire at the treatment plant doesn't normally uh, happen. 1850 Some of your calls and texts coming into the programme. We mentioned binge drinking earlier and I was talking in relation to, to, to the lovely Dr Colin Gleeson who joined us yesterday from Castletown Bear, from GP practice in Castletown Bear and he was just talking about binge drinking and how bad binge drinking is. He's not seeing any improvement. If anything, it seems to be getting worse and we just can't get that message through to young people that it's it's not that we're asking young people not to drink. 
we're asking them to be a little bit sens- sensible about the amount of alcohol that they can cons- consume. And then if you throw drugs into the mix with it, it, it can and has been a lethal cocktail. Anyway, uh, a caller in the Kentark area says, it's not just the binge drinking we need to be worrying about. It's also the illegal drugs. And he says there are people around the town of Kentark smoking weed. He said you'll see teenagers smoking weed, marijuana and then heading into the bars. Some of them are absolutely off their heads after a few drinks, but it isn't really anything to do with the drinks. It's because of what they have been, uh, what they have smoked. This caller decided that he'd, he hangs, or he goes to the town park quite a lot. So he decided to try and engage and talk with some of the young people. And he said they were lovely. He said he mentioned to them about their cigarette butts and their young people smoking as well seems to be a big problem. Anyway, and he was saying to them, don't believe in your cigarette butts around the place, uh, please. And he said the majority of them will respect that and were very pleasant to him and said, yeah, sorry, we shouldn't be doing that. And we're cleaning up their butts uh, after him. And uh, he said, young people just need places to go. So the town park is an, an obvious hangout for them. They want to get away from their parents, particularly during the long summer months. They're sick of hanging around at home. They want to be with their friends. So that's what they do. And if they've nowhere else to go, a place like the town park is an obvious uh, venue. He said we had a situation where the toilet lids in the public toilets in Canturk had to be replaced and that was because of uh, vandalism. But he said we don't see a lot of that going on and if you chat to young people they do listen. So that's good. Good to know that there's nice what sounds like reasonably respectful young people respecting an older person in the Canturk area. Thank you for your call. On McCroom and the temporary accommodation that the local hotel has now been turned into the Riverside Hotel has now become an emergency accommodation for asylum seekers and it has initially been leased by the Department of Justice for a period of three months. Some of you calls in that, on that. Anne in Bantry says, I am sick of hearing people saying, sure didn't the Irish travelled years ago to faraway shores. Yes, the Irish did travel, but the Irish worked really hard over the years. And and and. I know it's not the asylum seekers fault, but don't be comparing the situation with asylum seekers in direct provision with the Irish that left these shores year, years ago, because there is absolutely no comparison, according to Anne in Bantry. Dan in McCroom says, we in McCroom have a right to know who owns the hotel. We also have a right to know what will happen to the hotel after the three months when the lease with the Department of Justice is up. What happens then? Will it go back into a hotel? Yeah, I'm assuming. I'm assuming for people in the area they're going to miss having a hotel. I know they're, it's not the only hotel but it's, it's always a loss to an area when you lose uh, a hotel. Anyway, Dan in McCroom would, says it's it's highly unlikely that I will go back into a hotel. Well, it's an initial period of three months but it looks like the Department of Justice does have the opportunity to extend that lease whether it will or not. We don't know. We're just going to have to check back in with them in three months' time. Michael in Mill Street said, I've been to Drishan Castle. I've met with some of the asylum seekers there. They're living in a beautiful building. They are given everything, says Michael. They can leave the centre. They can go on the train. They can head up to the city if they want. I've just walked over a mile with cattle in the pouring rain. I'm soaked through to the skin. I've yet to have anything to eat. I'd like to live in a place like Drishan Castle, says Michael in Mill Street. And Michael in Botterfant says, it's so sad to think people can make money out of the misfortune of others. It may be their property, but we have people coming in asylum seekers, coming into this country with nothing. And then we have Irish people who are making a lot of money 
by providing the direct provision centres. And then we have people saying how hard it is to get asylum this morning on your radio show. So there's something wrong. It's immoral. With so many things wrong at the moment in this country and services needing funding, I think it's all wrong. So your complaint is with the system itself. And I think anyone, I mean, Sheila Nidul, who has worked with asylum seekers and tries to help asylum seekers, she will say to you that the system is wrong. I mean, to hear her say of someone who is in Drishan Castle in Mill Street, nine years trying to get their asylum status sorted out. I mean, what what can be wrong with the system that it can take nine years? I mean, I'm not saying all of the cases are black and white and it's either a yay or a nay, but even if there is an appeal system, surely, surely it shouldn't be allowed to go on for nine years. And that's Michael Abostrovan's point. While all of those appeals are going on, there's somebody along the line making money because somebody has to provide the direct provisions uh, centres. And uh, there are figures. I mean, I'll, t- I'll try and find them this afternoon. I would have time to do it now on the programme. But there are figures it, that comes out at the end of every year for as to how much the asylum system and the direct provision system costs the exchequer. And it is a huge sum of money. I know when you speak with people like Sheila who works with those in the asylum centre, they get very little money every week. I know they get bed and board and they're, they're fed and founded, but for anything else that they want to want to buy, they get very little. I mean, they'll have children going back to school, those that have children, you know, and they get very little towards the cost of going back to school and anyone who has a child going back to school will know how expensive that is. So it's very difficult. They don't get a lot of money, but there's a lot of money put into this system because obviously the venues, the centres have to be paid for, they have to be rented from whoever owns them and then there's the actual running of the centre and putting managers in and putting caterers in and buying the food uh, etc. So yeah, it is not a cheap service that uh, certainly uh, is for sure. 1850 By the way, to people in Fremont who have been on to us asking about their water and, and the latest I gave you wasn't really that much of an update except to say that they're working on it and but that they, they couldn't, the, the crews are working to restore supply as soon as possible following that fire. I'm now being told that there will be a further update on the water situation in Fremont after midday. Okay, so if you're in that general area without water at the moment, which is Fremont, Liscarroll, Milford, Stramina and surrounding areas, make sure you stay tuned and after midday we should have some kind of an update uh, for you. I was wondering when I would hear, oh sorry, just one final text in on on asylum seekers. Somebody said the asylum seekers in Mill Street are lovely people, but they are living in very cramped conditions. So there's somebody that sympathies uh, for them. And Dave was on to say, any chance you could give a shout out please to say that uh, I found a set of keys near Aldi in Mallow. And I'm assuming they were found this morning. Did you lose a set of keys? Were you around Aldi this morning? And Dave's contact number is 087-3186-985. 087-3186-985. I was wondering when I would hear uh, from anyone who has... Now, I know it's because it's the All-Ireland uh, finals and we're not in the All-Ireland finals. Maybe that's why people are not complaining too much about it. But the GAA is defending the decision to hike the price of the All-Ireland final stand tickets to a record amount. €90. Euro. Now, they have said they have no plans to increase any, any further. But it's the leash herding manager, Eddie Brennan. He has branded the cost absolutely shocking. And I think he makes a valid point. He said there are youngsters who have attended all of the games who are now going to be asked to pay €90 Euro for a ticket 
just because the Corpo Brigade have shown have shown up and turned up. Now the GAA, their president John Horm is defending it saying it's the first time that the cost of the ticket has changed since 2011 and back in 2011 it went up by 10 uh, euro for the final and I remember that and I remember there was consternation about it then so it hasn't gone up since 2011 and here we are at uh, 2019. The GAA said absolutely no plans to increase ticket prices for the games in 2020 but they, they have jumped nearly a third over the past 10 years. The organisation raised eyebrows at the start of this year after raising uh, prices by a tenner for the big final showdowns 10 years ago. Back in 2009, if you wanted to go to an All-Ireland final and you wanted to get a stand ticket, it would have cost you €70. That now jumps to 90, which is an increase of uh, 28.5%. The average prices of goods and services have increased by about 7% during the same uh, period. Uh, GAA communications manager, a gentleman by the name of Alan Milton, says we are a special organisation in that it's an amateur one, which is volunteer-led. So I think the ticket price compares very favourably to other organisations. He also points out you can still bring a child to see a game at the weekend for five euro and it stays the same right up up until the final until the final. So ninety euro for a stand ticket to the All Ireland finals. Do you see that as value for money? Or do you think that's a step too far for the GAA and they should have left it that even at the eighty euro mark it was expensive enough. Are are you on the side of the GAA? Haven't put up the ticket price since 2011, 10 years ago, it was 70 euro. It went up by a tenner then two years later. And in the eight remaining years, there has been no price increase. So, you know, everything else is going up. Why can't the price of the All-Ireland ticket go up by another tenner? So 90 euro for an All-Ireland final ticket. Is that good value for money? 1850-333-103. Lines are open. C103 Jobs. Monster Labels. They're currently recruiting a machine operator, preferably with graphic design and printing experience, please. Amberley Home and Retirement Cottages, there in Formoy, they're looking for two night care assistants, while a professional curtain and blind fitter is wanted in the Cork area and Inchidani Island Lodge and Spa. They're looking for a food and beverage supervisor, a maintenance assistant, waiting staff and a spa cleaner. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. By the way, we haven't forgotten to do Celebrity Seas. We've just been particularly busy on the phone lines. So we're going to hold out and Simon is going to join us at 20 past 12 today. So we'll do it an hour later than normal, giving you the opportunity to identify who these three celebrities are. Now, congratulations to the estimated 59,000 students who are receiving their Leaving Certificate results today, which is a day earlier than previous years. It's normally always on a Wednesday. Our career guidance expert, Roisin Kelleher, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Roisin. Good morning, Patricia. Now, first piece of advice, as always, is don't, congratulations, and don't panic if you haven't got the results that you were expecting. Exactly. And I hope it is a good day for the majority of students there is often a mixed reaction. Uh, there can be a shock, with regard, a shock with delight, but there can also be the other kind of a shock where a person may be disappointed. So, of course, take the results, 
they may have already gone into school and obtained the results in school and hopefully help in school if that is required. On the other hand, the students can use the facility by uh, going online and obtaining the results that way. But one way or the other, today is an important day to read those results and to interpret it in the correct way. If they want to consider to put in to view the scripts, then tomorrow is an important day to put in for that facility. And this year they have something different, Patricia, in the sense that they have to get onto what they call a self-service portal. And they must register on this. Now, the students do know about this, and it was something that I referenced uh, on the podcast in June uh, when, when I was on, on, on the radio programme. So but the students know about it themselves, but sadly some of them apparently haven't all registered. So they use their pen and their exam number to okay. get onto this. And again, they will get help in school about this. But this is the way it will be done this year, which is different. So there won't be papers and that. So they must. So they'll they'll view the script online. Yes, they yeah. can. Why why would you why would you encourage somebody to view the script? Because I think it's it, it's it's very useful to see the scripts because that that way. I mean, today they have got. Uh, you know, the grades with regard to whether it is H1s, 5s, 6s, 7s, whatever it would be. But if they view the scripts, they can actually see what, what went on in the exam and they'll get the percentages. Okay. And that's very important because they might be pretty close to maybe maybe something should be should have been from an H4, 60 to 69. Maybe it should have been pretty close to a, a 3, a 70%. So maybe they might have got a mark of 68, mm. 69. So that could justify um, maybe going in and, and making an appeal on that paper. So because it's there's a big difference there between, we say, 70 to 79 and so on. But one way or the other, they must register on this portal and they can make that consideration then. That's the next stage, <clears throat> which will be from tomorrow to view the scripts. But the closing date on that is Friday. Okay, so you need to, you need to get working um, on that. It's now, if you haven't done... Uh, you're really disappointed or there's a particular subject requirement that you need it that you've you've haven't got the marks in yeah. repeat leaving cert an option it certainly can but it's important to say one doesn't have to repeat the entire leaving cert of course they do if they wish to get the points because that's the only way the points are counted up the points are counted up in any leaving cert for whatever year <clears throat> and it's the best six subjects are taken into account so naturally if a student felt that they had got insufficient points, then it would be the entire leaving cert that they would be repeating. But some of the papers or some of the um, the subjects that they would have got this year, they might necessarily have to repeat all of those. And the other thing that's important again in here, Patricia, is that they can repeat just one subject, either to meet the entry requirements or the grade. So for instance, if a person uh, wanted to do uh, primary school teaching and they didn't get the H4, which is required, as an entry requirement, say if they got the H5, then, and they may have the points, or they can take a chance, they hope, that the points will be the same for the following year, and repeat just the one subject, the high-level Irish, to get the grade required. Okay. All right, that's certainly worth keeping in mind. And then maths is often a subject that a course will require that you have to have a certain level or you have to have a pass in, a certain grade or you have to have a pass in in maths. Now, some of the colleges offer a choice here on maths. Which is very important. I think CIT, Cork Institute of Technology, were one of the first colleges to put that facility in place. And many other colleges do it now as well. 
So that means contacting the college and requesting to put in a request to uh, repeat the uh, map. That would mean then that if they are successful, that possibly on the second round, this now of course refers to higher education with the rounds of the CAO, that they would be offered a place in the college. Because even if they have the points, if they haven't got the entry requirements, then unfortunately they won't get in. Oh, I see. You need to have the points for the course and it's just all that's lacking is the grade and the maths. But that is uh, worth considering. And for those that are planning now on going to college, the cost of it is very expensive. Student grants and, and the SUSE system. Yes, indeed. Well, they can still apply. Of course, let's hope the students have applied for the SUSE grants if they think they're eligible for it. But nevertheless, they can still apply for them. And uh, with, I think it's for the first time today with the helpline that they actually will have a SUSE person present Great. to deal with the queries as well. But of course, the SUSE line is there for persons ringing in. But as it happens with the helpline, uh, that they actually have a SUSE person there present as well. So that's very important. And of course, all of that with the CAO first order offers, they're coming much earlier this year. So they don't have to put down this weekend, which they would normally do waiting until next Monday, perhaps for the CAO offers. So the CAO offers are coming in on this Thursday at 2 o'clock. They thought originally it would be the Friday, but now they're going to actually make the offers at, from 2 o'clock on this Thursday. Do you welcome that? Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, yeah. it's, giving, it's giving students time. And they, uh, again, have... So when they get this offer, if they go for those offers, and of course, if you can speak about it, there's more than the offers in the higher education. But for students who will go with that, they have, let's hope, have that offer, if that's what they have on this Thursday. And, you know, they have the time then to make up their mind with regard to whether they will accept it or defer it or whatever. But again, I would plead with them to make sure that they do the research uh, that they're on the right course. That is one of the phone calls I got this morning from a student, sadly, from last year, who now finds he's on a course, oops, I don't want to go back. And that's what's expensive. So you talk about the expense of going to college, of course. But the upset of going onto a course that isn't suitable for a person or that they find it's different to what they thought and then having maybe to repeat, that can be a huge... It happens every year though, doesn't it? Sorry? It happens every year. It's every awesome. year, no matter how much advice is giving out there, you will get yeah. young people going into college and then they get in within a couple of months, they realise I'm on the wrong course. Unfortunately, it does happen. Now, of course, when they will get the offers on Thursday, if it is in higher education, there will be an offer, let's hope, on level eight, that's the honours degree programmes, level seven, the ordinary degrees, and six on the certificate. So if they've applied for the two levels of education, then they should get two offers then they've got to make up their mind about this. So they have the days to make up their mind uh, between that offer that will be made on this Thursday until the acceptance of the 23rd of August. That does give them time to consider it. Now, they could also, of course, apply for what we would call in the past the post-leaving cert courses, the FETAC, under the ETB. There's absolutely wonderful opportunities in there. I had somebody who wanted a particular course and he didn't get the points on his leaving cert in that particular year. And he did go on to a FETAC course. He got his distinctions and he was absolutely delighted. Contacted me earlier in the month of the 1st of August that he had got round from a FETAC offer the course he wanted. My goodness, my goodness. So it shows it does work. And of course, there's also the apprenticeships. So they work as well for, for the students and they're another great option. So 
So even though for many students, they do like to go to higher education at the universities, <clears throat> institutes of technology and so on. It's not for everyone. Options. And it's not for everyone. Third level is not for everyone. No, it's not for everyone. And there has been a big push in recent years uh, to get people to look at apprenticeships more favourably. And there's some great careers out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. OK, all right. And the... The appeals, if somebody wants to appeal, if they're not happy with their results today, they view their scripts uh, and they want to appeal. This is one of the reasons, isn't it, that we've got early year results is because of that high court ruling from that young student. I think she was from Wexford last year where she was treated yeah. uh, unfairly having to be having to wait. Uh, yeah. So that's the reason that all the results are early this year. That's, that's exactly it. Uh, so that is, it is going at about three weeks earlier. Well, the results, the, like today with the results in the Leaving Cert, that would be a day earlier. With all of the process associated with the CRO, that has speeded up considerably. And the appeals and all of that particular process. So again, it's very important that they use that uh, portal because that is their way in to viewing and for putting an appeal in place. And the appeals must be submitted through the self portal, and the closing date on that uh, would be the 16th of August. So, you know, from the 16th, between the 15th of August and Thursday, 22nd of August. So, it's very important the students are around. Mm. And if there's any mix up on dates or anything like that, just make sure you're checking through with the SEC, the State Examination Commission themselves, Department of Education, and the CAO. Always just use their websites, get onto them directly and make sure that they're correct about the dates and the submission of such. Of course, the view the scripts will be free to make an appeal. It will be the same cost of €40. Euro. And if there's an upgrade, they will be refunded on that. And then, the, because the, the appeal results then will come back on the 20th of September. Right, that's going to be early. This is, that's earlier than normal. And, and that so will the get whole CAO system is actually due to close down then with the offers by the 25th of September. Okay. So that's much earlier. And so the whole thing is finished with and it's on into the process then for the next year, people. But however, okay. so that's where the speed comes in. And that was because the third level colleges would start their programmes earlier, you say. So by having this process in place earlier, we would say anyway by mid-September or that third week of September, it means that if on an appeal that a student would be offered course because there was some error, which can happen, that they won't have lost out on time when the courses would have begun at the colleges. Because in the past, when they would get those results, sometimes towards three weeks later, they would have a considerable amount of work done. Yeah, the course has already started, yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfair on the student who missed out because of a mistake. OK, mm-hmm. all right. And of course, the... The guidance counsellors, their free helpline number, as always, is available and it's available from today. There's a number of helplines available and the colleges, of course, will help and the schools will help. But the helpline number of 1800 265 165, which I worked on for many years myself, would be, I think, particularly helpful, as they all will, because there's guidance counsellors there. There's a said representative from SUSE. And it's very important that a, that a person wouldn't feel isolated. Yeah, look for the help. wouldn't understand. And it's there for the students and for the parents and for anyone just to have a reassurance boost the confidence and to give them direction and guidance as I am there myself to help them and as many guidance counsellors and teachers and principals are in the schools to help. 
You're always a mine of information. We'll talk again, uh, Roisin. Thank you for that. Thank and you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme that is Bandon's based career guidance counsellor, uh, Roisin uh, Kelleher. Now, we have staying on the Leaving Cert. Uh, Donald O'Sullivan is, is principal of Colosh de Mira in Buttevant and he gave us his reaction to today's Leaving Cert results. We have have most of the students after collecting their results at this stage. Um, thanks be to God, uh, the vast majority of students are after getting what they need and there's uh, a huge air of, of uh, satisfaction and delight around the place I suppose and we're delighted to see that uh, inevitably there's always one or two students who um, just fall short of what they're looking for in terms of leaving their points and that, uh, but um, I suppose what we'd say to all of those students is is there are plenty of avenues out there to get into the courses that they want to get into um, and just because they don't get their first choice doesn't mean that things won't work out by um, you know, looking at different options for themselves because nowadays there's a huge amount of different options out there and, and that makes things much easier as well. And they realise that now as well because, you know, they'll have friends um, that have taken other options uh, and gone down through those options and maybe taken cr- different career paths because of it and worked out very well because of that also. So um, just to keep the heads up um, and that leaving search results are not the be-all and end-all um, and to enjoy enjoy the results, you know, um, as I said, we're, we're delighted. There's a, a huge a huge air of, of um, happiness around here this morning, which is brilliant to see. Um, students worked very hard and they're getting their just awards at the end of it points for college courses fluctuate year on year and they're not quite sure if they're close to the points that they need whether the points will fluctuate upwards or downwards so there is a bit of a waiting uh, period for those students who are hoping to go to third level uh, college not all students are hoping to go to third level college but for those who who are definitely you know um, I suppose it's a nervous couple of days and weeks uh, waiting for for those places to be issued Uh, so again I suppose just to try to relax as much as possible thereafter doing their leave insert and getting their results at this stage there's absolutely nothing they can do um, that, is chain, that will change whether they're going to get offered those places or not so just to try to take it in their strides and relax as much as possible until the, 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 the places are issued OK, thank you. That's uh, Donald O'Sullivan as principal of Colossian Mura in uh, Bottevant. And we also spoke with some of the Leaving Cert students on how they got on in schools across North Cork this morning. I'm relieved. Um, like, waiting for the results, like there was pains across my chest and everything, like thinking about it. Um, definitely, it's, yeah, it's nerve-wracking all right. Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, I'm going to do politics and German and UCD hopefully music production hopefully yeah I got good points and I'm doing chalker yeah I studied really hard and got the best I got and I'm going to do fashion design I'm so happy that I, I passed everything especially maths I'm, I'm after getting the points I wanted so I'm just waiting now to see what the CAO choice is and then I'll choose which one hopefully I'll get offered in both I'm delighted I passed it uh, isn't it interesting to see that I'm doing German and politics and, uh, at the, and the young girl at the start were getting the chest pains to say the pressure some of the young uh, people are under is incredible. 1850 As we said at the outset once again just congratulations to all of the students and to remind them they are not defined by uh, today's result and what's on that piece of paper. John Paul takes your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862 103
Thousands of you tune in to C103 every day. Now you can win thousands of euro. To say thank you for listening to C103, Simon's Celebrity Seas will now play across the entire day. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. Tune in to win weekdays from 6am on C103. On Friday the 11th of October, the Kingsley Hotel will be the venue for the Cork Volunteer Centre Awards Night. To chat about the ceremony, which I'm delighted to say C103 are media sponsors of, I'm joined by Julie Connolly, who is manager of the Cork Volunteer Centre. Good morning to you, Julie. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. For those who may not know you, tell us a little bit about the Cork Volunteer Centre. Okay, so Cork Volunteer Centre was established in 2000. It was one of the first volunteer centres established in the country. Our role is to provide information and advice to people who are interested in volunteering and we also assist non-profit organisations to recruit and manage volunteers and our service is completely free of charge. So if I want to volunteer and I'm unsure what I'd like to get involved with, talk me through the process. Okay, so I suppose the first thing I would say to you to do is to go onto our website, volunteercork.ie, click on the tab for volunteers and register to volunteer. So that's indicating to us that you're interested in volunteering. Then one of my placement officers, Adam or Gosha, will contact you and ask you to have a look at the number of opportunities that are available online. Now, at any one time, we have about 200 volunteering opportunities are active in Cork. So there are close to 600 non-profit organisations who have registered a need for volunteers with us. And that's right across Cork City and County? Right across Cork City and County. So you can apply online and we'll contact you or you can arrange to meet one of the staff. If you're based in the city, you'll come into us on 13 North Main Street in the Volunteer Centre. And from September on, if you're based in the county, Gosha has taken up a role as our outreach officer. So we're going to have pop-up volunteer centres at various locations across the county. So we're coming to you. Oh, so we're that's coming terrific. to your local that's community. Yeah. And, and Judy, what do people get from volunteering? Well, it's a two-way street, I suppose, with volunteering. It's about giving. It's about giving your skills, your knowledge, your time um, to your local community. But it's also about gaining so much more. Uh, There is a huge piece of research done by Volunteer Ireland. And I suppose the tagline is, do good, feel good. Volunteering actually increases your physical and your mental well-being. It contributes to the community. You gain work experience. It makes you more employable. You gain friends. Um, and just generally a sense of giving to your community. And so, and people then can volunteer of their time, give as much or as little time. You know, some people have a lot of free time on their hands and others mightn't have a lot of free time. Yeah, and so there's a huge variety of opportunities. There are rules, for example, uh, like information provision and citizens' information, which, because there's a lot of training and, and knowledge involved, they might look for you to commit to one day a week over the course of a year. There are things like Cork Indie Film Festival where you might be giving a couple of hours once off. Um, You could be volunteering with the City Marathon, for example, on just one day. So there's this kind of idea around micro-volunteering which people, or even you can volunteer online. So there are certain things that you can do from your home. You don't even have to leave the house to contribute. 
so there's a wide mixture of uh, volunteer opportunities that are available. Um, do you offer you know, training through the centre? We do. We offer training to non-profit organisations in terms of how to manage um, volunteers. So how to, to treat their volunteers properly, basically how to yeah. retain them, keep them, how to advertise for them. We also offer training in terms of guard the vetting. A lot of volunteer roles, I suppose, depending on who they have contact with, if you're dealing with children or vulnerable adults, there might be guard the vetting required. So we offer training to organisations in relation to that. Um, we have training, um, kind of short-term workshops and different bits and pieces uh, for volunteers themselves. So uh, we'll be hosting a workshop for volunteers on how to use Excel. So it's a volunteer that's actually delivering the workshop, okay. which is quite interesting. Uh, that'll be in the autumn. Um, we have a social media workshop coming up. We have a few different bits and pieces. Most of the supports we provide are to the non-profit organisations in terms of training. Okay, so tell me about the awards, the volunteer awards that's happening uh, that we're involved with in, in October. Okay, well, I suppose firstly I'd like to say thank you, for Patricia, for volunteering your time to host the awards on the night as well. We're no really problem, I'm that. really looking forward to it. Yeah, it, it'll be great. Um, so the awards, I suppose, came about, I started in my role as manager last October. Shortly after I started, the Department of Rural and Community Development, who fund us, uh, engaged in a consultation process on a, the first uh, national strategy on volunteering. Um, so as part of that, we went out around the county, we spoke to volunteers and volunteer-involving organisations, and we asked them what they wanted to be included in the strategy, because I felt there was no point in me doing a submission um, you know, without information first. And so one of the huge things that came out from volunteers based in Cork was that they're often unacknowledged um, and they're often overlooked and they felt that there should be some sort of recognition that was Cork based. Now there are national volunteer awards and they are fantastic Mm. and they're hosted by Volunteer Ireland Um, but Cork people wanted to be recognised in Cork and you know what we said it was one of the few actions that we as a volunteer centre could go ahead with. So we spoke to the people in the Kingsley Hotel and we have obtained sponsorship from a number of different organisations and we're going to host the awards. So there are 10 categories um, for the awards and then there's the overall Cork Volunteer of the Year Award, which is the C103 Cork Volunteer of the Year Award. Um, So nominations are open. Uh, They are open until the 10th of September. So if people want to nominate their volunteers, please visit volunteercork.ie and we'll have an independent judging panel on the 13th of September. The winners in the 10 different categories will be notified. They'll be invited to come along to the event on the night. Uh, It'll involve a three-course meal. There'll be an award ceremony itself. There'll be trophies provided. We have some wonderful spot prizes on the night. You will be present uh, to uh, host it. And then we also have Simon Murdoch uh, of Cork. Our own more, for the yes, your own Simon yeah, Murdoch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's doing DJ, isn't it? He's DJ yeah. on the night. He's a great well. DJ, so, by the way, can I say? Yeah. So bring your dancing shoes. It'll be, it'll oh, be a great absolutely. night. I'll be so, and it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's a way of. It's a way of giving back and saying thank you, isn't it? Just exactly. to, I mean, it's I even feel for awards like this, whether, you know, for the winners, it's great. But just even to get nominated. Absolutely. And it's it's the chance 
I think for their family and for their friends and and everyone around them just to see them acknowledged. Yeah. I suppose our, our tagline is shine a light on your volunteers. A lot of these people are very unassuming. They, you know what I mean, they're not doing it for the recognition. They're doing it because they want to contribute something. Mm. Um, and I feel those people should be recognised in some way or another. If you think of all the services in our community, from picking up the litter, uh, you know, yeah, it's just... Don't start me on the tidy townspeople. They are yeah. our total uns- unsung heroes. Oh, absolutely. But every you know. single organisation out there will tell you they cannot exist without volunteers. Absolutely. I think the, the country would grind to a halt yeah. completely without yeah. them, you know. Um, and I, it's about recognising that. And it, as I said, it's it's a night out. It's an, It's just a way to kind of to glow in being recognised, yeah. I suppose, more okay, than Okay, so how, how t- talk me through the nomination process. How do people nominate? So the, the nominations, I suppose, really what we're asking is for the non-profit uh, groups to nominate their volunteers. Okay. So we want them to go online. So if you're a member of a community group, a sporting organisation, a registered charity, non-profit group, and you engage volunteers, we'd ask you to go on to volunteercourt.ie and fill up the nomination form and tell us why this person deserves the award. Okay. Um, so we have categories in a number of different areas. Uh, you can nominate someone in more than one category if you feel it's relevant. So we have the area-based ones. Um, so we have North Cork, East Cork, West Cork. We have the AIB North City Award. We have the South City, uh, that's sponsored by Douglas Control and Automation. We have the Youth Award, sponsored by Otterbox Cares, that's for under 18s. We have a Student Award for third level students. We have a Group Award. We have the Lifetime Achievement Award. And we have the Board Member Award. And our board members are very much so the unsung heroes. These are the people on the committees and the boards of management. Yeah, who often have well. to make all of the tough decisions. Yeah. yeah. And they work incredibly hard. Yeah, okay. All do. right, uh, Judy, we'll talk again before the actual event, but just to let people know online now at the Cork Volunteer Centre? Yes, volunteercork.ie volunteercork.ie We'll talk again, uh, Julie. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Julie Connolly there uh, joining us. She's manager of the Cork Volunteer Centre. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed getting reports in of a burst water main in the Mallow area around the Woodview Drive area and the so the Woodview Drive the surrounding areas without water Irish Water and Cork County Council working to restore power and it should be back by about four o'clock today let me stay on the subject of water because since yesterday since we heard that there had been a problem at the water treatment plant in Fremont we'd be getting calls from that general area about when would water be restored to that area and Councillor Ian Doyle from Charleville uh, joins me on the programme uh, Good afternoon to you Ian Afternoon Patricia I know, How are you? I'm very well The first, It was the fire at the water treatment plant which is which is unusual isn't it? It was, it was an electrical fire Patricia yeah, okay. which is unusual yeah, but it was an electrical fire yeah, which, which shut down the plant yeah yeah Now unfortunately my, my, my information is vague as, as yours is uh, Patricia Okay Why, so, what are you but, hearing? Look, but 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 I but what I had I, I was just speaking I'm actually after passing a tanker driver. What they're doing at the minute is that they are filling the reservoirs and the lines. Now there's eight lorries drawing water to filling the reservoirs and the lines, and they have the reservoirs 
nearly full, but of course, Great. obviously, they're, they're emptying as quick as they're, they're filling, I suppose, you know, and they're filling the lines. And they're doing that until they resolve the issue, which, which unfortunately, might be sometime tomorrow, I would say, unofficially is what I've heard. Yeah, it's not yeah. as simple as fixing a it's burst not, pipe. No, it's a major, uh, yeah. it is just a fault and it is a major fault. I, I suppose the biggest problem will be it, it, once the reservoirs and the lines are filled, it's the pressure, you know, people on the high, higher ground will probably obviously uh, experience difficulty until tomorrow, definitely, because, uh, you know, pumping it up the hill is, is, a, is a problem. Yeah, so uh, it'll come back as a trickle probably but, initially. But it'll come back as a trickle, yeah, and hopefully yeah. people will have a trickle, yeah. I, I suppose the concern I would have, and, I was, and like maybe if people were aware of vulnerable people that needed bottle water that we yeah. the list or, and we'd make sure that they, it's got to them or that somebody would get it to them you know that's yeah because it's 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 free mountain scar and milford Dramina and Scarra, surrounding half, areas half, half, well half a Dramina now and half a milford are back in okay the higher the higher ground is not back yet yeah but yeah. there will be in the midst of all of that some very rural isolated well, houses you would, reckon, you would reckon there would be you know people that wouldn't be access to water and maybe would need bottled water to be delivered to them and look if if, if there was a very distress case then maybe they can contact me or the council but contact okay. me maybe and I, I would make sure that it's got somewhere to them yeah, yeah. okay all right now okay. i just passed as an, i just passed a very i just passed them in milford at the minute and i just passed the driver uh, filling the reservoir here now and you know they're working hard they're, they're, they're raid lorries drawing uh, water at the minute and, yeah, and it's it's a slow it. tedious job it's a really. slow tedious job yeah and it's just, it's just one of those things there's nothing it, it, it was a fire there's nothing they could do until it's resolved and that's all yeah. there's to it yeah. ok yeah. and they're working yeah. on it as we speak but I, 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 will, I will update I will just keep in contact and I will update people just as, as much as I can yeah. please please do yeah. listen thank Perfect. you for that Ian thank you for and uh, thank thanks uh, for thank joining you. us 1850 at 333 103 that is uh, Councillor Ian Doyle with the latest they're working flat out they are doing the best uh, that they can it's just one of those fortunate things when an electrical fire happens. Some of your thoughts coming into the programme today. Uh, let me take a look at some of your texts coming in. Jackie and Malice says, Patricia, I think recognition is due for the Patrician Academy. Despite the fire, they tirelessly worked to support all of their students. My son had excellent results today and it's down to the teachers and my boy's brain. <laughs> well done to all, says uh, Jackie from Mallow. OK, yeah, and they, they should be recognised. The boys have, and the teachers and the staff have had to work in really, really bad conditions because of that fire and the, and the ongoing work uh, to get the building back up and running in the Petition Academy in Mallow. So well done, well done. I mean, we're acknowledging all of the students today with their leaving set results, but let's pick out a few of them and in particular the guys there at the Petition uh, Academy uh, we wish them all well in the future some more of your texts coming in on Asylum Seekers um, when my son-in-law when my sister-in-law went to England for work you would not get a cup of tea for nothing. There was absolutely no handouts. There will always be lots more coming to this country because we give too much by way of handouts, says one uh, listener. And John says, Patricia, all of those asylum seekers should simply be sent home. They aren't happy anywhere they go. They're certainly not happy with getting everything free in this country and we here are the fools paying for it. Don't we see them on the TV constantly complaining about the direct provision centres and how they're not happy with the services there. My God, they have some cheek. 
And that comes in from John. While a different John says, the reason that the hotel in McCroom has become an emergency centre, it isn't a direct provision centre, it's emergency accommodation for asylum seekers, is because local people did not support the hotel. If local people had supported the hotel, that hotel would have remained open. So local people only have themselves to blame. And Mike in Bantry, this is on young people and young people drinking. Mike in Bantry says, having listened yesterday to Dr. Colin Gleeson from Castletown Bear talking about the binge drinking and then we referenced it again today uh, with regard to the Leaving Cert results and, you know, warning is going out to young people to be careful tonight when they're out uh, drinking. Uh, Mike says, teenagers today, surely they must be very unhappy. Is that why they're resorting to drink and to drugs? Says Mike. Has anybody thought about that, that they are just very unhappy with their lot in uh, life. 1850-333-103. And talking about somebody being unhappy with their lot in life, there's a couple of tweets that our attention has been drawn to. This one from Sean. And I'm funny, some other people will identify with this. It's a tweet that he sent to RTE. He, he tagged them on it. He said, I got a letter today telling me my TV licence was due for renewal. However, do you really think you deserve €160 of my money to put on Mrs Brown's Boy's Christmas special in August? Really? (laughs) Now, I know they've been showing repeats of Mrs Brown's Boy's, but I didn't realise that they had shown one of the Christmas specials. So I checked with John Paul and he said they did. Now, he said he watched it. And I said, what, in the middle of August? And he said, yeah, because he'd missed it. In particular, I don't know which of the Christmas specials, whether it was last year or the year before, because they've done a number of Christmas specials. But did others did others notice that? And did others take offence to the fact that our national state broadcaster, while they are running a lot of repeats during the summertime, and, and we've, we've said that on many, many occasions, they are running a lot of, of repeats and they seem to sort of bulk out their schedule in the summer months. And I suppose that is cost cutting. That is a way of saving money. But should they have, should they stop and think that if they are going to show repeats, then don't show ones that are Christmas specials in the middle of August. I know last week when we were talking about TV licences, again, and the cost of the licence, somebody was talking about Moore and Dahi, who do a wonderful, wonderful show out of Cork, actually, in the afternoon, and they were showing repeats of that. And somebody said that she didn't like the idea that they were they were repeats were being shown, but she was putting up with it and she was watching it and she's a fan of the programme, so she didn't really mind. Until they showed one that was linked in some way to Christmas because they had died telling Happy Christmas, saying Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas uh, to people. So if they must show repeats, do they need to make sure that they don't put in like very festive ones or ones linked to Halloween or ones linked to Easter, whatever it is, to keep kind of the more generic ones that you could put on at any time of the year but steer clear of anything that would be very very uh, festive uh, 1850 and then Jonathan who is in Cork on his Twitter account put up a photograph of a woman she's a novice driver because you can clearly see the N on the back of her car he's obviously pixelated out the the registration number it is an Opel Corsa car and he said this woman watching TV on her phone while driving my plastic lid and all the high vis vests aren't worth squat and he's a cyclist that's what he's done but his plastic lid his little plastic helmet and uh, his high vis vest and you can clearly see in the photograph that the woman was watching TV she was streaming some 
piece of TV live on her, or not live, she could have been, could have been a podcast or something. Anyway, she was streaming it on her phone and clearly driving along while keeping one eye on the road, but firmly keeping attention on the television programme that she was watching. 1850-333-103. Stay safe out there on those roads. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, SUAS, they are an organisation that deal with literacy and numeracy challenges in disadvantaged communities. They're looking for volunteers to help with their maths and reading programmes to children aged 7 to 9 through fun and easy number games. If you'd like more details, you can uh, email suicireland at suicide.ie. The popular Clonakilty Guided Historical Town Walks will be held every Wednesday night throughout the month of August. So it's on tomorrow night. You can meet at the Michael Collins statue at seven. The blood transfusion service, they've got a donor clinic in the Sale Sports Centre in Kinsale tomorrow between 6pm and 9pm. While Mallow Heritage Committee, they're launching a photographic exhibition, Mallow in Uniform Military, on Wednesday night at half past, or Wednesday, sorry, tomorrow, half past two in the afternoon in the wonderful Mallow Library. The exhibition then will run until Tuesday the 23rd of uh, August. And Marymount Race Day will be held in Cork Racecourse Mallow next Saturday. You can enjoy a luxury day at the races with celebrity guests and champagne and afternoon teas. Corporate options are available. Tickets available from Marymount 021 4501201 or you can visit corkracecourse.ie Simon's Celebrity Seas Guess the celebs to grab the cash on C103 and Simon joins me in studio. Good afternoon. We didn't forget you in the last hour. I promise you that. That's okay. How afternoon. are you doing? Celebrity C's. Who are these three people? C. C and C. Oh, oh it's, uh, did you just kick That's that there? 1850 While Simon breaks up the studio, we are looking for three callers to join us if you think you know who these three people are. C. C and C. We now have still two of the three. Two and a half grand as well. Two and a half grand. Let's yeah. remember that. 2,500 euro if you can identify the one missing one. You know the one missing one? C. C and C. Yeah. Are, is anybody getting close? Um, so does anybody say one you went, oh, you're very close. I know um, sometimes I say, oh, not bad. No, that's a good guess. A lot of the time I'm lying. I, like you'd never <laughs> say it's his brother or sister. No, no. no. And um, to be honest, there has been one or two... Uh, people in 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 the right realm. The realm being. S- sorry. C. C and C. He looks at me as if I'm speaking Swahili to him. Um, okay. Well, I'm not giving away any more clues because old Fred there the other day got got my very cryptic clue within yeah. two minutes. So that's it. I'm obviously rubbish at giving out clues. Can I say even when you explained the clue, I had to think about it. I wouldn't have got it. I'm not great. Well, the clue was what what goes up must come down. Yeah. And that was to do with Gravity. Uh, yeah. The movie Gravity. Yeah. Uh, Sandra, Sandra Bullock. Bullock. Yeah. Nominated for an Oscar in that movie. All the rest of it. And I thought, uh, oh, I'll take them ages now to figure this one out. Yeah. No. I no. started, when, when I heard you say it, I was thinking of the song. What goes up? Must come down. I was trying to think, who sang that song? Was something shit there? I could, completely wrong. Anyway, C. have C. a listen C. again. Okay. And it is the middle one. It's, it's a male. It's a male that we're missing. Okay. I'm going to line six. Let me get through some of these callers, please. And Tom Walsh is in Mornabi. Good afternoon to you, Tom. 
Good afternoon for the show. You've, um, doing very well. You could do with two and a half thousand euro. Yeah, two nice eyes. Uh, it would one. indeed. C. C. Who are those three C's, please? Yeah, number one, Sandra Bullock. Uh, number two, Diamond Gavin. Number three, Killian Murphy. Oh, that's good. That's good, isn't it? Has he got it? That's good. Is he, is he right? No. Ah, oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> Cheers, Tom. Sorry, Tom. God, you're as mean. Bye-bye. Thank you for that. Let me go to Kira O'Mara is in Copping. Good afternoon, Kira. Hi, good afternoon. How are you doing? How are you today? Good, thanks. Uh, already planning on how you'd spend two and a half thousand euro. Yeah, I could badly do it. all right. Couldn't we C. all? See and see. Who are those three people, please? Um, Sandra Bullock, Richard Madden and Killian Murphy. Richard Madden, the actor. Yeah. yeah. B- bodyguard. From Scotland. Yeah. Scottish. Scottish. He's Scottish. So Scottish. Hang on. See. See and see. Oh, it's a bit of Scott. Is, uh, that, is, it is, Scot- is, is there it, a Celtic twang to that scene? See. C. Oh, there's a bit. There is. Two out of three, oh, I'm afraid. Kira, sorry. God, bye bye, Kira. I'm telling you, you should take up poker. You really should. You've got a great poker face oh, on God, you. No. Thomas is in Grange in Douglas. Good afternoon, Thomas. Good afternoon, Patricia. I have a check with two and a half thousand euro. Could your name be on it? C. 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 Uh, Sandra Bullock, Jim Gavin, and Killian Murphy. Jim Gavin, the, the the Dublin football manager, is it? Yeah. Huh? Jesus, I don't know how I'd get on now putting a dub on the celebrity <laughs> scene. The Dublin football manager. Uh, uh, listen, it's not him. Okay. No. All right, well done. Good try. Do try again. If it had been, I would have gone, who you said I'd know who the person is. I didn't know who Jim <laughs> Gavin was. All right, we're doing it again. Uh, with Nick after one next hour about oh, now time okay and if uh, it's two and a half thousand euro thank you for that Simon two and a half thousand euro today and if we don't have a winner if we can't get somebody to clearly identify all three C C and C we'll put another hundred euro on top and make it 2006 tomorrow Laura Gaelga RC 103 Conor McGregor and Cahula Dig Dool Nejug Octobok the Gromlin the Mala Ahaclea Jastel Sher, Well Skull, Dun Vonskalir, Agus Arguel Klot, Dun Vanskalir. Agisha Doju, Kosi Connor, Agdurnaliuk, Agus Agista Uktiug, Bugshe, Kate Comortis, Profesunta. In Egyptian, Hosikshe, UFC, La John Kavanagh, Marhain Ali. Togal Lassan Magel, the notorious August Mystic Man. Toshe Kui Kri Ne Norlok, in Arda, August Teresh, Doctor of Uinche, Kanyanche Uridor Dofein. Tosh Fahan name Lean Dish, August Toposhta Warnigan, Connor Jack, Lena Fortner D. Devlin. They say untamed champion, Ernok, a tall win, in UFC. It's an Aline Korok Master. Porsche Ain Kade Maloon Dollar Duntrud, a Gwyna Mayweather, a Lunasa, a Nurig. It's far on Sever A, gone in a go. A Blur Gwelga is Misha Pop. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. 
Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And just a couple of your texts coming into the programme. Paula says, Patricia, I laughed when somebody texted in to say nobody gets even a cup of tea for nothing in this country. Well, my sister recently spent €2,000 to get her three-year-old's tonsils out. As the child is only three, my sister stayed in the room with her all of the time. She, my sister, wasn't as much as given a cup of tea the whole time she was there, not a bite to eat. And she was there for well over 24 hours. Goodness me. Is that a private hospital? If you're, if she's paying for it, I'm assuming it was. You would think in this day and age that the least that they could do with uh, with a mam staying with a little three-year-old, the old tea and biscuits, you know, or the tea and toast, wouldn't you think that she'd at least uh, come up uh, with that? And actually, I mentioned the, or did I mention the injury clinic? I had to go up to the injury clinic in Mallow, um, one day last week and it is just fantastic service. I know people bemoan the fact that we lost our A and E but if you fall in under any of the injuries or the procedures or the ailments that they can help you with they they go above and beyond the call of duty and they still serve tea and toast in, if you're in there for a while but you're in and out so quick and actually um, while I'm singing the praises of the injury the urgent injury clinic in Mallow I've just seen a text in from somebody to say Patricia I had an appointment for an x-ray a Bantry hospital this morning the appointment was for 11.15 I arrived at 11 o'clock I joined the queue I got my x-ray I was back on the road at 11.10 well done to Bantry hospital staff those small hospitals are tell you they just they get it so right you know we may not have all of the facilities there but the ones that are there are just top class uh, they really are thank you for that and congratulations to somebody who was on to say that they just passed their driving test about an hour ago and that's a huge relief and that's great so congratulations to you but there's a but at the end of it the question I have is the guy testing me his phone kept ringing throughout the entire test now he didn't answer it on any occasion but it kept ringing I actually found it a little bit off-putting. Should he should he have had his phone switched on? I would straight away think no. And if there was a mistake and it rang the first time, you would think he would take it out of his pocket or wherever he had it, whether it was on the dashboard of the car, and either immediately switch it off or at the very least switch it to silent. I am really surprised at that. Has that happened to anybody else during a driving test that the person testing, not a driving instructor, this is the actual tester, had a phone that kept ringing. Now, it obviously didn't distract this driver, but it could. People are very, very nervous around driving tests and something like that could just completely 
throw someone. I'm, I'm really am taken aback. Uh, if you had failed, I would be instantly saying to you that you should get on and make a complaint. But you haven't and we won't take from the great achievement of passing y- your test because it's a, a wonderful feeling when you, when you pass. So congratulations and many, many hours of safe driving to you. And just a quick mention on a final text from the good people of Ballinagree. Their Vintage Family Fun Day is on next Sunday, the 18th of August. All vintage and classic vehicles are welcome. There will be Perpetual Cup for the best vintage um, car, best vintage tractor, best barn find. That's an interesting category. There's also a dog show, children's sports, a pet corner, there's trade and food stands, best dressed lady, best dressed gent. There will be music on the day and the message is don't be disappointed. Come along and uh, enjoy a fun day out. Proceeds go to the McCroom Community Hospital, St. Coleman's House in McCroom and local charity. So good luck to everybody involved there at Ballinagree Vintage and Family Fun Day next Sunday. Joe Heffernan is holding on the line. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you, you are very welcome and we are going to continue today with our discussion that we've been having for the last few weeks and wrapping up our piece on depression. But before we do that, you mentioned last week that your wonderful son, Joe, um, along with his wife, Kaylee and little Dylan, were coming home to stay with you for a while. How is he doing? Wonderful son, Ken. Ken, how is he doing? He's doing great. Um, uh, We've been tearing around the place following this three-year-old who um, (laughs) takes a bit of keeping up with. And... um, so, yeah, um, next on the schedule now, I think, is Fort of Wildlife tomorrow. And um, we're, we're having a lovely time. A lovely time. He, he's here and his lovely wife, Kaylee, and uh, little Dylan. They're here with us in Boerby for the current week. And, uh, yeah, we're having a very nice time. And his treatment going well? His treatment is going well. In fact, as I was saying to you, it was a bit hilarious. When they got off the plane in Cork Airport on Friday the 2nd, uh, the the fittest of the four, <laughs> uh, his father-in-law was with the three of them, um, was the bowl Ken himself. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Would, would he have a quick word with us? He will, of course. Oh, He's great. here with me. Great. Yeah. Put him on. Yeah. Put him on because yeah. we've, been, we've been talking about Ken so much uh, since the diagnosis. Uh, good afternoon, Ken. Hi, Patricia. Um, well, well, welcome home. Um, you, have, uh, you have a great mum and dad there who've been flying the flag for you on this side. How are you doing since your, your cancer diagnosis? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, um, I'm a lot better these days I suppose it's become a little bit more normal but um, oh I have good days and bad days I know I know and you're, you're mid treatment at the moment is it? I am I started two days ago so okay. all, is, all is well so far it's a little bit tougher towards the middle of it does but, it? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah one, one day at a time okay and are you still living on Cayman or are you we are yeah, yeah. yeah. okay and that's all working out okay yeah yeah it's um, it's, it's nice to be home it's, I know. it's a little bit cooler here now at the minute yeah very very very, very different um, weather wise well you've got so many people throughout certainly throughout North Cork and further afield thinking and praying for you and, and wishing you all the best absolutely it's been very heartwarming the whole thing and uh, just like to say thank you there to, uh, to any of the listeners and um, the dad said has been uh, phoned and, and texting over the time yeah and for your own uh, well wishes as well Well listen we want nothing but the best for you as I say you've got a great mum and dad uh, there so enjoy the rest of your, your trip home Ken Absolutely Okay and uh, 
continue good luck with your, your, your journey of um, recovery. Thanks for talking to us. No, no, no. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Lovely guy. All right, let's uh, put Joe back on to us and he'll do his bit. Uh, okay, now we are talking about, we've been talking about depression over the last uh, few weeks and today we want to uh, look about when what to do if you feel about a depression coming on. If somebody's been diagnosed with depression and they know they suffer from depression, will they almost sense, oh, I'm going through a bad, I can feel it coming on? I mean, is, is it almost like a feeling they get? Exactly. And when the old symptoms begin to show, um, you know, um, we, we've a few things to kind of uh, to wrap up our, our few weeks on, on depression. That, um, ah, they're, they're basically common sense. Um, and, um, you know, kind of keeping the old heart up and, and little things to do. I suppose um, Ken there, in his own way, um, is more eloquent about, you know, uh, when a guy is in the middle of chemo and carrying on and um, an upbeat, you know, it's a bit of a lesson to us all, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, when, when, when the old uh, storm clouds start to gather, that as soon as you can... Uh, do something about it, like a visit to your GP. Um, uh, the longer you wait, um, uh, or to put it the more positive way, the sooner you um, go to the GP and talk about it. A thing that has occurred here down through the years is a person gets put on an antidepressant mm-hmm. and they find that they're not doing greatly on it. Now, this is now, and I would say to them, look, it's going to take about three weeks anyway to kick in. But I think it's very important to say there are so many different antidepressants. Yeah, the, the, if the, the first one, one doesn't on, work. Hmm? Yeah, yeah and, 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 and if the one that you're on doesn't suit you by some side effects or whatever, don't say, oh, the antidepressants didn't work for me. Go back to the GP and explain that this one is not exactly um, suiting you. well. Yeah. And, and would that be common, Joe, that the first antidepressant doesn't always work or doesn't always suit somebody? Well, it can happen quite a bit. Okay. And the trouble is that some people then take yeah, a kind off. of a broad view and say, uh, I, antidepressants d- d- don't suit me, whereas a different one could do great work. And you've seen them work for people? Absolutely. Okay. And what we found down through the years... Um, uh, is that a combination of the medication and uh, the, we'll call it talk therapy, that the combination works extremely well. Um, You know, and um, what what I would say today is, like, for for, for a person who has felt um, uh, that things are taking a bit of a dip, you know, um, or on a bad day, Break little tasks down into smaller incremental parts. Um, one doesn't have to go out and do the entire garden, kind of. If one did a little corner and uh, took a few weeds out of that, that's progress. And then give yourself credit for even the smallest little thing that you have managed to get done. So, like, be gentle and kind with yourself. But um, the do word is very important. Um, you know, um, we, we, we can't in a way think ourselves well. We have to, as it were, act ourselves well. It's what we do will get us well an awful lot more than the, the kind of thinking process. The same thing would go for anxiety, which is sort of, um, first cousin anyway with depression that, um, 
you know, as as I would often be saying, that anxiety is in the body, um, n- not in the mind. And if you can calm the body, the the mind will follow. So, um, so do do the small tasks. Take the credit then when you do them. Pat ab- yourself on the on the back. Absolutely, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be major. And try to look at the ten percent of the job that you got done, rather than the ninety percent that has yet to be done. Um, you know, we need to be into the kind of giving ourselves the little pat in the back because sometimes when the old depression um, uh, clouds our sky, um, uh, it's very, very difficult to do even the smallest task. Everything seems to be too much. Um, so when we get a little bit done, yeah. Um, and then get get emotional support. This is lean lean on other people. P- other people are there, family members, more than willing to help you. Absolutely. And it could be just even having a chat. It could be saying, do you know what? I'm not having a great day. Um, uh, it, it could be as simple as, would you mind making a cup of tea for me there? Um, it could be, um, I think I'll ring the person I was talking to there a few months or a year or two ago. Um, uh, someone in, in uh, either either straight back to the GP or if you have had a relationship, a professional relationship with someone in my own line of work, maybe it's a good time to give them a ring again. That happens here so often. Um, uh, I'd get a phone call and it would be, you know, hi Joe, and um, uh, there'd be a name and do you remember me? I was with you there, um, it was about two or three years ago. That would be absolutely... Um, yeah, fairly regular. Yeah, we're in 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 the time of a bit of a dip, and okay. not to be the least bit kind of uh, giving yourself a hard time about uh, I didn't ring the person in the last two and a half years. That doesn't matter one small bit whatsoever. Uh, okay, get involved. Involved. You say in fun activities. This is to, to remember that you can have fun as well. Absolutely, and it could be as simple as. Um, I, I often said to you that um, there was one time I remember quite well, um, I was feeling very, very, very down and out and fed up and everything. And um, I said to Mary, come on, we, we'll, we'll, we'll go to a film. And we went to Killarney and we went to see The Hangover. Okay. And I came home in great fun yeah, because a funny we movie. had a real good laugh. I it's... found it very, very funny. Yeah. Um, sometimes, um, you know, um, a cuddle, um, a hug, um, a little bit of human warmth. We all need that. Mm. Um, uh, helps as well. Spending time with pets. A lot of people find that. Mm. A lot of lot of people find that. That um, um, uh, I I don't know how many times down through the years that a person would have talked to me about. I, I won't mention names just in case that I'd happen to get the dog's name correct and someone had said to me, you mentioned my dog at the tele- on the radio. I don't want to do it. But, you know, um, right, we'll, 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 we'll use the one Fido. I think that's yeah. fairly, fairly universal. You know, that Fido means everything to me. Um, uh, I don't know what I would do without him or her. And um, a pet can be so much of a companion. Um, I've often been uh, so impressed um, with the um, the love and affection 
uh, of uh, a dog. A, a, a dog be, be and what's uh, what's also great about Fido is Fido can get you to put your coat on and get out the door every day and get badly needed exercise. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in fact, I was only talking to a person last week and, um, you know, the same person had been going through a hard time, a very hard time with depression. But whatever else happened or didn't happen, the dog got his walk every day. And exercise is important, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, yeah. That, um, you know, it gets, um, it gets a lot of, um, of the good stuff kind of going. There has been so much research now. For example... Just being out in the light, just that, out in the light, um, that this um, light uh, activates the pineal gland uh, and um, uh, it, 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 it awakens the good stuff in the brain and darkness is not good for us. And that's why we're, we, we will be coming into, you know, there's already kind of an autumnal touch in yeah. the air and we'll be coming into the darker evenings and the winter and, and, and all of that. Um, and we've spoken in the past and no doubt we'll talk again about SAD, the seasonal affective uh, yeah. disorder. And that's linked to light. And that's why you can get those light boxes. Absolutely. And um, uh, nature itself, there has been more research done Um that like uh, being out in nature, appreciating the beautiful sights, um, uh, listening to a nice bit of music, um, uh, the feel-good um, neurochemical dopamine is, um, uh, you know, created um, uh, by these um, uh, the soothing sounds of music. Um, the the sight and sounds of nature. Um, you you know the way very often on a lot of the um, uh, apps and um, CDs etc. that are for uh, guided meditations and all. You'll almost always um, uh, hear on the recording the sounds of running water mm. and the 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 sounds of maybe bird song. And um, these aren't just. Um, uh, you know, that's not all kind of like just haphazard. That, that, that has been uh, very uh, carefully researched. Um, there was a person I was reading recently, a person uh, called Serrani, who calls these life-affirming sounds. Um, even the wind blowing, um, children laughing, that kind of thing. Um, so there's, uh, th- th- there are so many things that... Uh, kind of bodily messages that that can get sent to our uh, brain center that that help and a lot of people might might say well you know what does walking by a running stream with a, the view of the mountains um how can that help it helps and it helps in a big way you know okay and then your diet it's important even if you're feeling down that you're eating correctly yeah, I mean, because you can go one or two ways. You either won't eat, or else you'll overeat all the wrong food. It could happen, and uh, I mean, uh, the 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 recommended thing would be to eliminate, to a great degree, if not altogether, sugar, caffeine, um, what, you know, what we'll call junk food. Junk food, yeah. Fr- from the so diet, three sort you know? of healthy meals a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you suggest small little things like buy yourself something you want. You know, do something that just for you. 
almost, almost be a little bit selfish about it. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, it doesn't, uh, you know, one 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 doesn't have to break the bank. It, it could be, um, it could be watching um, uh, a favorite DVD. Um, it could be um, making a little visit to the cinema. It could be meeting a friend, which I would think would be one of the best ones for a cup of coffee. You know, see you there at at 11 how lovely to just meet up um little treats like that um or if you have been looking at that favorite uh uh top or or pair of shoes or whatever um uh every time you pass the window maybe it's time to treat yourself to that um, and there's a bit of a lift in that. You know, yeah. you're kind of looking after yourself. As yeah, far, absolutely. And I think one of the things you've listed that I think is important is get dressed. Just, you know, this thing of lounging around all day in your nightwear, your pyjamas, your nightdress, your dressing gown. And just, you know, and because you're depressed, because you're down, having the will or the energy to do it, I just think it's important to get out of bed every day and get dressed. You're absolutely 100% right. I mean, um, the odd time I've given in to, um, you know, uh, having, uh, a, we'll call it now, a very exaggerated lion. And, um, oh God, I don't feel right at all about it afterwards. There's a kind of an old guilt trip with it. And, um, you know... Um, just to get up, uh, get dressed, um, and if you only go out as far as the kitchen, yeah. um, at least you've got up and you've got dressed. Yeah. Um, and I do think that that's very important because um, I, I, I always think when, when, when a person is depressed, that sort of the bed is the enemy. Absolutely. Somebody has suggested uh, going for a game of bingo. I mean, that's if if bingo is your thing, that's something that you like you you would like to do. Totally, yeah. absolutely. And you might even get lucky. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> another listener says, I, "I'm on my own a lot. My partner only seems to appear for food, um, and finding the loneliness leading to a depression." Well, now that 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 would lead straight into you see, a. If we can help another, there is a wonderful healing in that. So that would lead into maybe attend and meeting of aware. Yeah. Because not alone are you helping yourself, but your presence or something that you might say or just being there might be immensely helpful to another person. And um, so you're, as it were, you're, you're covering a few of the issues with one move. And um, there are aware meetings, um, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's very few um, people now who wouldn't be very much within uh, uh, a, a fairly reasonable uh, distance from an aware meeting. I'm just looking up there now, www.aware.ie. I um I don't know if the number has changed. The one I used to have was 1893 or 33 or 2. Um, but anyway, if you if you look up online www.aware.ie, you will find without question or doubt that there is a meeting pretty much within uh, within reach. Yeah, and any time we mention aware, we always get really such positive feedback from people who say, you know, they've, they've it's been incredible the help and support that they've got from Aware. So I mean it it is it is a wonderful uh, wonderful uh, organization. Mm. So there's help out there. That's that's the that's the main thing. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, and lots of it. And as well as getting it, one can give it. And I think one is as important as the other. Okay, and try to de- decrease stressors. That can be yeah. that can be difficult if it's a job-related stress. It's hard yeah. to just say, I'll walk away from my job. Well, it, I mean, that, 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 that wouldn't be very um, realistic. But to a degree, like, people, places and things that bring you down. People and places and things that... Um, that have a negative effect on your day, um, insofar as you can do it, sort of avoid those kind of situations. And one of the things that I would love to mention as well, of course, is alcohol. A lot of people think they're going to medicate um, their um, depression Away with, by drinking. with alcohol. And it's a depressant. Uh, if it you're just depressed, makes it you'll worse. be more depressed. Okay, Michael in Bantry says, grow mental health. It's also, also very good Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, and I know that they have great meetings and a great organisation uh, locally. I know they had a lovely day recently with a tree planting in Kentuck. Well, okay. Mm. All right, and just to, I just spotted a WhatsApp in um, somebody. Oh, actually, somebody wants to know if there are aware meetings in West Cork, firstly. Are there aware meetings in West Cork? Can anybody tell us? You don't know off the top of your head, um, Joe. Well, the no? answer is yes. Oh, there are? Okay. Yeah. The answer is yes. Now, as far as I know, I had a list and, of course, I can't put my hand okay. on it. Just but if you get on to aware.ie... No question about yeah, it, there are meetings. There are, there are meetings. Yeah. And a lovely text with a picture, it's a WhatsApp in, from um, Anthony Pickford, a great old friend of the programmes in Limerick, uh, to say he's in Saltine on his holidays and there's a lovely picture taken in a church of gorgeous candles lighting to let you know that he lit candles for Ken in Salt Hill, which is oh, lovely. Oh, nice. And there are a number oh, of nice. other people saying it was great to hear Ken on the programme. Uh, can we wish That's him lots great of... great to hear of luck and uh, good health. Okay, Joe, we'll yeah. talk again next week. Enjoy yeah. the rest of your time with uh, Ken and the family. Thank and you, thanks, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. Uh, Joe Heffernan, he runs a counselling practice in Boho His number is 029-76617. So I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Thousands of you tune in to C103 every day. Now you can win thousands of euros. Thousands of euros. To say thank you for listening to C103. Simon's Celebrity Seas will now play across the entire day. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. Tune in to win weekdays from 6am on C103. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.